continue our series called Wondrous Mystery. We have been looking at the reality of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. That is, let me, let me just put the definition for incarnation up here on the screen. And it's this, uh, it's the biblical teaching that the eternal Son of God took on human flesh. The incarnation is the biblical teaching that the eternal Son of God took on, put on human flesh. We've been talking about this reality of the incarnation for the last four weeks. This is week four. Uh, and, and we started off just by looking at the, the wonder of it all. Then we, we looked at the importance of understanding that Jesus Christ was fully God, 100% God. Jesus was God, but also Jesus was fully man, 100% Man, and last week we talked about that reality. And, and from Corey's message on Jesus being fully God, he gave us two kind of application points. One of them is this, because Jesus is fully God, we can know God. We can truly know God. Scripture says that Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. He was the exact representation of God's glory. We talked about this reality last week. Jesus as fully man, uh, Jesus had a human body. It wasn't just this spiritual ghostly body. It was a physical human body. He grew just like we grow. He had DNA. He had fingerprints. He was fully human. He, he had human emotions. He got excited and joyful. He got his feelings hurt sometimes when people rejected him. He experienced grief. He experienced sorrow. Jesus fully experienced what it means to be human, to live a human life. When Jesus tells stories and preaches messages, when, when he talks about the lilies of the field and the birds of the air, he experienced that as a human being. And Jesus chose to voluntarily restrain the attributes of his deity in submission to the Father's will. If Jesus is fully God, how, how do we explain that sometimes he, he asks questions and, and seem not to know the answer to everything at all times? In fact, the disciples asked Jesus, when is the kingdom coming? And Jesus says, I don't know. Only the Father knows. And he hasn't revealed that to me. Jesus says, who touched me? He says, do we have food to feed this crowd? Jesus was killed. I mean, how do you kill God, Jesus said, you don't take my life from me, but I lay it down willingly. And Jesus, as a human being, voluntarily restrained his divine attributes in order to be submissive to the Father's will. Fully God, fully man. He wasn't lacking any divine power. He just submitted to the Father's will so that he could become a sacrifice for you and me. And we're gonna talk about that reality today. So why did Jesus need to come into the world as a human? Why did Jesus have to put on human flesh? Well, one of the reasons, and we've talked about this, was that he revealed the Father to us. But there's a lot more to it than that. Now, there's a lot of people who think Jesus just ushered in a new kind of humanity. 
they say, well, Jesus was a man and, and he just showed us what it meant to really be the kind of person that God wants us to be. Can I just turn this TV off? Is there a button on here? Huh? Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Oh, come on. Where was I? <laughs> so, Jesus certainly revealed the Father to us. He certainly lived an exemplary life. But there was much more to Jesus becoming a man than that. There was much more than just showing us what it means to love our enemies. There was much more than showing us what it meant to live sacrificially. Jesus did much more than just live an exemplary life. He did much more than just reveal the Father. This morning, we're going to look at the fact that because Jesus came in human flesh, he made redemption, salvation available to us. And in fact, this is really the most important truth for all of us. We can be saved. We can be saved from the power and penalty of sin because Jesus Christ came in human flesh. So we're gonna read two verses out of Galatians chapter four, and I'm gonna ask you to stand with me to read these. Then we'll pray. Galatians chapter four, it'll be on the screen. Starting in verse four, Paul writes this, when the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, in human flesh, born under the law, we're gonna talk about that in just a minute, to redeem those under the law, that's me and you, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Let's pray. God, we love you this morning. Speak to us through your word this morning. Your word is truth. God, draw us by the power of your spirit and your word. God, I pray if there's anyone here today who doesn't know you as savior, as redeemer, God, that today they would see their need for you and turn to you. God, for those of us who have called on you for salvation, God, overwhelm us and remind us of the reality of your great redeeming love for us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, you can have a seat. I'm gonna read this verse again and, and kind of talk through a couple things. When the time had come to completion, King James Bible says, when the fullness of time had come. Other translations say, at just the right time. This is telling us that God had a plan from the very beginning to redeem humanity. And at just the right time, when the fullness of time had come, when the time had come to completion, God said, okay, it's time. And he sent Jesus Christ to be born of a woman. This reminds us that Jesus was born into humanity. Last week, I made the statement that Jesus had Mary's DNA, and somebody asked me about that this week. How do we know that? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us that Jesus had Mary's DNA, but the Bible tells us that he was born of a woman. He wasn't created ex nihilo the way that all of creation was. He, he was 
He was born into humanity, born of a woman, and this scripture goes on to tell us that he was also born under the law. To be born under the law means that, that the penalty of the law that we are all under, or, or the, or the uh, restrictions of the law, or the requirements of the law that we are all born under, Jesus was born under those same requirements. We're going to talk about what that looks like in his life. He was born of a woman, fully human. He was born under the law. Why? To redeem those under the law. To redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and and daughters. He was born in human flesh. He was born under the law to redeem those born under the law. The word under there is deliberate because the law is a weight. Let's look a little further. Romans chapter 5, Paul is writing about the law in verse 12 through 13. By the way, heads up, lots of scripture today. So you just write down the references and uh, you can check them later. Romans 5, 12 through 13 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people, because all sinned. In fact, sin was in the world before the law, but sin is not charged to a person's account when there is no law. And then verse 20 says, The law came along to multiply the trespass. Here's what Paul is saying. There is sin. It's existed since Adam and Eve turned their back on God. But God brought the law so that we would know what sin is. Right? If if my kids break a rule, but I didn't tell them that there was a rule, they could say, I didn't know. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to body slam my brother. You never told me that. Well, now you know, and if it happens again, you're in big trouble. Paul's telling us that the law tells us what sin is. Listen to what he says in Romans 7. He he makes it really clear here. What should we say then? Is the law sin? Absolutely not. But But I would not have known sin if it were not for the law. For example, I wouldn't have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, do not covet. And sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind, for apart from the law, sin is dead. He says this, the law says do not covet, and then all of a sudden we were coveting everything. It's kind of like when you were a kid and your parents said, don't do that, and that was the thing you wanted to do more than anything else. Don't look over there, right? Don't say that. Because in our sinful flesh, there's something really appealing about doing the things we're not supposed to do. And Paul says the law revealed those things to us. Don't covet. And all of a sudden we, we just wanted to, we wanted things that weren't ours. We wanted what other people had. Paul says the, the law seizing an opportunity, sin seizing an opportunity produced this coveting in us. The law told us what sin was so that when we broke the law, we knew that we had sinned. There was no longer any question. Honor your father and mother. Well, if you don't do that, you broke the law. Sin revealed that to us. And in the book of James, 
this is Jesus' earthly brother, James. He writes in James chapter 2, verse 10, whoever keeps the entire law, all of it, and yet stumbles at one point, he is guilty of breaking it all. In other words, you say, well, you know, I've, I've done some things wrong, but mostly I'm pretty good. Well, James says, no, you're not. <laughs> you, you can do it all right and, and mess up in one point, and you are guilty of all of it. Here's the point. There is a law, and we broke it. <laughs> and so we must face the penalty. So Jesus was born under the law. So I just want to talk about the importance of the law. There is a law. We broke it. We must pay the penalty for breaking that law. And Romans 6 verse 23 says, the penalty, the wages of that sin is death. There's a law. We broke it. We must pay the penalty. The penalty is death. So now let's go back to Galatians, right? Chapter 4 that tells us when the time had come to completion, Jesus was born of a woman, born under the law, right? And we just talked about what that is. To redeem those born under the law, that's you and me. It's this law that says, here's the rules, you broke it, here's the penalty. But Jesus came to redeem us who were born under that law. Now, how did Jesus redeem those born under the law? Well, he didn't change the law. Because, <laughs> you know, you might think, well, look, he could just say, oh, don't worry about it, guys. It's okay. But that's not what he did. He didn't change the law because he is holy. He is just. He is righteous. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is blameless. He is spotless. He is perfect. So he couldn't just change the law but that's what we want because when we say I'm basically a good person, I keep most of the rules, we're pointing to some kind of different law than what Scripture teaches. We're pointing to some kind of different rules than what Scripture points out to us. We say I'm basically good and James says, no, you're not. There is a law and you broke it and you've got to pay the penalty. But Jesus came to be born under the law to redeem those born under the law. So how does Jesus redeem those of us who are born under the law? First, he perfectly kept the requirements of the law. He perfectly kept the requirements of the law. Now, you and me, try as we might, we must admit we have not fully kept the requirements of the law. I'm like Paul who says the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I shouldn't do, these are the things I keep on doing. Oh, wretched man that I am. Paul said, I am the chief of sinners. That's how I feel because I break the law every day. I'm powerless, it seems. So Jesus came and perfectly kept the requirements of the law. When, when Jesus was preaching the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 18, Jesus, he, he's really clear. He says, look, don't think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I didn't come to change it. I didn't come to wipe it away. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. 
but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Jesus fully upheld and kept the requirements of the law. He he did this by fulfilling the prophets. He says, I came to fulfill the, the law and the prophets. There are at least 300 prophecies in the Old Testament, conservatively, and, and up to 500 specific prophecies that point to Jesus as the Messiah in the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled by being born of a virgin, by, by being born in Bethlehem, by growing up in Galilee, by being sent to Egypt as a newborn child, by being rejected and mocked and hung on a cross. He fulfilled what the prophets said. But not only that, he fulfilled the law. He perfectly kept the law. And this is where we're gonna spend a few more minutes before we wrap up. He fulfilled the law. How how did he do it? By not breaking it, right? There's a law, we broke it, we must pay the penalty. But Jesus came in, born of a woman, born into humanity, born under the law, but he didn't break the law. He fully kept the law. He fulfilled what the law demanded. The law is the basis for our condemnation. The law is the basis for the penalty that we must pay. The wages of sin is death because we broke the law. So Jesus perfectly kept the law. Therefore, he did not deserve the penalty of the law. He fully upheld the law. Listen, I just want to read several scriptures that just drive home this point. Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in every way, listen, yet without sin. That means he never broke the law. Not even when he was a little kid. That's, that's, look, that's hard to believe, right? Because we, I mean, those of us who have been around little kids, they're just sinners. They're wicked. (laughs) Cute, it's cute. And sometimes we want to laugh. But Scripture's really clear. Jesus never sinned, not even in his youth. Let me say this just a little aside to parents. This is a reminder for me. Parents, sometimes we get frustrated with our kids because we're impatient. It's not because they're doing things that are wrong. And so just be patient. Like sometimes they act like kids because they're kids. It's not because they're sinning. They're just laughing. And it might be too loud for you because you had a long day, but that's not sin. I have to tell myself that all the time. Jesus cried. Crying is not a sin. Crying is how babies tell people that they need a diaper change or need a bottle. Jesus cried. Silent night? Nope. Was not a silent night. The little Lord Jesus, no crying. He makes that. He cried. But it wasn't sin. He figured things out. He learned and he grew, but he didn't sin. Hebrews 4.15 is really clear. Yet without sin. But listen to this, 2 Corinthians 
Chapter 5, verse 21 says, He, God, made the one, Jesus Christ, who did not know sin, who did not know sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22. Let me, let me see if you can understand this one. He did not commit sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. 1 John 3, 5. You know that he, Jesus, was revealed so that he might take away sins, and there is no sin in him. He perfectly fulfilled the law. He never broke the law. He never sinned. He fulfilled the law. Not only did he fulfill the law by keeping the law, he also fulfilled the requirement of the law by taking our penalty. Because the law said, there's a rule, you broke it, you pay the penalty. Well, Jesus didn't break the rule, but he still paid the penalty. Because the penalty had to be paid. Because he didn't come to abolish the law, he came to fulfill it. Part of fulfilling it is living a perfect life, but another part of it is dying a sinless death. Listen, Romans chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. For what the law could not do, since it was weakened by the flesh, that's your flesh and my flesh, God did when he condemned sin in the flesh, that is Jesus' flesh. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering in order that the law's requirements would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. The requirement of the law said there's a penalty that must be paid. And Jesus Christ didn't only fulfill the law by living perfectly, but by dying sinlessly and taking the penalty for my sin and your sin. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 23 through 28 says, Now many have become Levitical priests. These are the priests in the Old Testament. They were Levites. That was their tribe, their heritage. Since they are prevented by death from remaining in office, these priests, they died. A new priest had to come along. But because he, Jesus, remains forever, he holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is able to save completely. The King James Bible says, save to the uttermost all those who come to God through him since he always lives to intercede for them. For this is the kind of high priest we need, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, sinless, perfect, exalted above the heavens. He doesn't need to offer sacrifices every day as high priests do, first for their own sins and then for those of the people. He did this once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who are weak, but the promise of the oath which came after the law, appoints a son who is perfect, who has been perfected forever. He, he fulfilled the requirements of the law by living perfectly, but by dying to pay the penalty of the law. Romans 8 says it. Hebrews 7 talks about it. 
Romans chapter 3, verses 25 through 26 says, God presented him as the mercy seat. Another word is propitiation. The mercy seat was the place in the temple where the sacrifice was made. Propitiation is this penalty that has been paid. He he presented him as the mercy seat by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. How does that demonstrate righteousness? It demonstrates righteousness because it fulfills the law, the requirements of the law. Because in his restraint or patience, God passed over the sins previously committed. God presented him, Jesus, to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and justify the one who has faith in Jesus. God was perfectly just because he he required the payment that the breaking of the law called for. But in his justice, he was also able to justify you and me. To to take our penalty away because he sent his only son. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. Listen, it says, You know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your ancestors, He's talking about our redemption, our salvation, the fact that the penalty was paid on our behalf. It says, you were redeemed from from your sin, from your empty way of life, which is part of humanity. You've inherited it from your ancestors. How did he redeem us? Not with perishable things like silver or gold. You can't buy your way out. Doesn't matter how much silver or gold you have. That's not how we're redeemed. But with the precious blood of God, of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. That was the requirement of the law. Hebrews chapter 9 tells us without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. That was the requirement of the law. The breaking of the law required a penalty, death, shedding of blood. So Hebrews chapter 9 says, He, Jesus, has appeared one time at the end of the ages for the removal of sin. How? By the sacrifice of himself. There is a law. We've looked at a lot of scripture that tells us there is a law. We broke it, but Jesus fulfilled it perfectly, sinlessly. Not only that, he paid our penalty for breaking the law. So it tells us that he appeared for the removal of our sin by the sacrifice of himself. In verse 27, just as it is appointed for people to die once, I say this all the time, but the statistics on death are pretty good, one out of every one person dies. (laughs) And after this, judgment. So also Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. If we put our faith in him, 
he'll bring salvation for us. But if we've rejected his salvation, judgment is appointed to every man once to die and after that judgment. And we will either be judged as righteous because Jesus perfectly upheld the law and paid our penalty or we will be judged as unrighteous because we didn't keep the law and we didn't accept the penalty that Christ paid on our behalf. In um, John chapter three, it says, he who believes in the son is not condemned, but he who does not believe on the only son of God is condemned already. So how does this work? Through faith. It is by grace we're saved through faith. Galatians chapter two, and I'm, I'm done, verses 19 through 21. says, for through the law, I died to the law. How, how does that work? Well, the law said there's a penalty for sin and it's death. So Jesus perfectly kept the law and paid my penalty so that as far as the law is concerned, I'm no longer under condemnation because I have accepted the penalty that Jesus paid on my, half, my behalf. Through the law, I died to the law. I am no longer under the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by, what's that word? Faith. What's that word? Faith. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I love verse 21. It says, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Look, this morning, if you say, I, I, that's great. Jesus came as a savior, that's great, but I'm not, I don't need a savior, I'm not that bad. I'm doing pretty good, I'm better than most people. I mean, if we were making a list and checking it twice, I would be on the nice list, not the naughty list. Paul says, look, if that's how salvation came, then Christ's death on the cross would have been pointless. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says, we, we trample the grace of God underfoot when we, when we say, you know what, I don't need it. I don't need it. I can do it on my own. I'm gonna live my own way and it's gonna be good enough. We make a mockery of the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, we don't think in those terms. We just think, nah, come on, man, I'm not that bad. There's a law. You broke it. And if you keep the whole law, but mess up even in one point, you're guilty of it all. So there's a penalty and it's death. And either you're gonna pay the penalty when that day finally comes, or you can accept the penalty that Christ has paid on your behalf. You can live by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you.
say Jesus lived a perfect life and died a sinless death. This morning, maybe you have never come to a place of faith in Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. His death on the cross was not just for show, guys. It was to pay the penalty for my sin and your sin. Maybe this morning you finally need to come to the end of yourself and surrender and submit to Jesus Christ as Savior and King and Lord. Stop making excuses for how you're doing pretty good because it's appointed every man wants to die and after that judgment. In a minute, we're going to stand and sing about Jesus Christ. Today, if you've never come to that place of faith, I would love to pray with you and show you how you know Jesus as Savior. For those of us who are believers, let's be in awe of this incredible sacrifice that he who never knew sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Because he is able to save to the uttermost completely those who have fled to Jesus for refuge. Because at just the right time, Jesus came, born of a woman in human flesh, born under the law, to fully fulfill the law, to take the penalty of the law so that he could redeem you and me who were born under the law. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Lord, we love you because you first loved us. And we know what love is because the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And God has demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners under the penalty of the law, he sent Christ to die for us, to pay the penalty for our sin. And then you invite us. You invite us into the family to be adopted as sons and daughters. we will look to you and believe in faith to put our trust and our hope in you as Savior. So Lord, I pray if there's anyone in here, even at this moment, who has never come to that place of surrender, of salvation, today they would respond. For those of us, Lord, who have, who have put our faith in you as Savior, remind us of the wondrous mystery the gospel is. While your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, before we sing, I just want to ask, is there anybody this morning who would say, you're talking to me. I, I have never come to a place of salvation. I've, I've never put my faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. I, I've, never, I've never surrendered my life to Jesus as Savior.